In every generation, there are the chosen ones, the fanboys, the observers, the keepers of useless trivia. They alone must stand against the forces of television drama tropes. They are continuous play. It's about power. Who's got it? Who knows how to use it? What do you guys want to do tomorrow? Nothing strange. Well, mini golf is always the first thing that comes to mind. I think you can do better than that. I was thinking about shopping, as per usual. Oh, there's an okay. R&B in the new mall. I think few items. I'll need to discuss it. Save the world, go to the mall. I'm having a wicked shoe craving. Aren't you on the patch? Those never work. And here I am, invisible to the eye. See, I need a new look. It's this whole eye patch thing. The earth is definitely doomed. Welcome to Continuous Plays, The Art of Slaying, a Buffy the Vampire Slayer retrospective featuring Brian Thomas. But I'm known you were coming and baked the cake. And Jay Newcastle. Are you ready to finish this? Buffy the Vampire Slayer is the copyright of Fox Television Studios and any discussion of the characters, episodes, or music is strictly for entertainment purposes only. Welcome to The Art of Slaying, a Buffy the Vampire Slayer retrospective. I'm Jay. And I'm Brian. And we're here to talk about Season 7, Episode 1, Lessons, written by Joss Whedon. Thank God. (laughs) (laughs) The reopening of Sunnydale High School is not without trouble for Buffy, as some undead students and faculty rise from the dead and blame the Slayer for failing to protect them. Dawn and Buffy, together with some of Dawn's new friends, join together to defeat the evil forces. Meanwhile, Giles is rehabilitating Willow in England, hoping to help her deal with her past decisions and embrace her use of magic as a good thing. And Spike is living in the high school basement, going insane after being filled with guilt upon the return of his soul. As it turns out in the end, Buffy, of course, realizes there's always a talisman, gets Xander to come in, break the thing, and that releases the spirits, and Dawn begins her high school journey as Buffy prepares to go to work at Sunnydale High School in the beginning of Season 7, and we meet a mysterious figure that takes on the form of a lot of past villains right before the credits roll. And that is the plot summary for Lessons, Brian. It's the end. I mean, and, uh, you know, the funny thing about it is they knew this was going to be the last season going into it, and then they just didn't say anything about it. You know, they they didn't start pumping that up until right before the show was going to end. But most People in the fan community, and I remember this because I was heavily involved in the fan community online at the time, had speculated and and were pretty sure this was going to be the last run of Buffy and they were going to go out with a bang. Yeah, well, I obviously didn't watch during the time that this actually really aired on TV, uh, so I wasn't aware of all that. But um, I like how we start the final season where we began the first season, right back at high school. Yeah, and it's it's a new high school, though. They're rebuilding it right on top of the old one. I and mean, we even get to see old Xander lay the new plans on top of the old plans. And, you know, his crew's been involved in building the high school. So, I mean, no wonder Xander's real successful and such. So, I mean, that, there's, there's lots of symmetry to this. And I don't think that's lost on anybody. We're going to see a lot of this throughout this episode and this season. They're going to do a lot of callbacks to stuff. Yeah. They are, and that's a good thing. Um, when you're in your final season, you kind of want to do that to remind people why they fell in love with the show in the first place, and so we get a lot of that. Um, and I like how when he lays the plans on top of the old school plans, the, the dimensions and the school are basically the same. 
They're just yeah. swapping some rooms around. It Isn't seems like, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. I was <laughs> like, wow, you build a brand new, quote, state-of-the-art high school, and it's the same exact layout as the old high school. We just move offices. I mean, but move the things around. Yep. look exactly the same. They're just wired yeah. now. Yep. So. Uh, you know, whatever. I mean, it's kind of cool that they would do something like that. But, uh, yeah, let's, you know, let's, let's talk about our characters, Jay, because here we are, season seven. Last we saw, Willow was, uh, returning from evil land and, uh, <laughs> Buffy was promising Dawn that she would take a more active role in their life together. And Anya and Xander were kaput. Spike had received his soul. So let's kind of go through these characters and, and, catch up with what's going on with them now that we're starting here on season seven. Yeah. And I think it bears noting this season starts out in Istanbul, Turkey, and we see this, yeah. you know, random girl running from people and she gets stabbed and then we cut right to the graveyard. And I want to talk about that opening bit too. I had no idea what I was seeing and that's going to mm-hmm. get repeated a lot for the yeah. first few episodes here. And I thought, well, okay, I can't wait till they tell us what that was all about. You know, did you have any inkling as to what that was? Oh, absolutely not. Not even a clue. But it is something that we need to pay attention to because it's very important. And it's there's a lot of clues. You know, I remember bits and pieces of season seven. And as we said multiple times, this is only the second time through that I'll be watching this season. But I do remember a lot of things that happened in the season. And it was fun to watch this episode because of all the hints that they lay in. At this first, even in this first episode, the hints that they give you towards what was going to come and happen in this season are amazing. Oh yeah, I mean they're laying it out from the get go, and I think again that's the when you know you're going into the last you know run, you can spend the year really setting things up. And it should be noted too, Marty Noxon's still running the show here, but several writers have been promoted and have got more control involved. And Joss has got a hand back on this. I mean, he writes the season opener and the season ender. You can definitely feel there's a different influence of the whole show. And it just looks different even. I mean, it's just it's lit different. It's shot different. It just it feels like a different show. And I think it's done on purpose because uh, the season six was such a dark season. Um, everything was lit low. Um, the the topics were really dark and everything. This was to say, hey, we're not going to be as dark as we were before. We're lighting it up a little. We're, we're doing a lot of scenes outside. We're doing a lot of scenes during the day, which is something you don't get a lot of in Buffy the Vampire Slayer. I mean, most of the stuff's done at night, right? Uh, when the demons are out and about. But there's a lot of day shots here. So it's definitely brighter. It looks like a brand new production. And it was, I was impressed with that. Oh, yeah. It, it definitely looks very good. And you said, let's schedule with our characters. Let's start with Buffy and Dawn because that first scene after the Istanbul bit is them in a graveyard. And it's a vampire trying to rise from the grave. And Buffy giving Dawn slaying lessons. As yeah. Were, right? It's like, it's about power. Who's got it and who knows how to use it? And I was like, man, this is so cool because Buffy has really transitioned into this role of mentor now. And, you know, I said in our season six wrap up that the thing I liked about the Buffy character was that she had accepted this new level of maturity finally and had stopped fighting it for the most part. And to see her starting with this was, I don't know, really cool. I agree. I thought it was really cool. And let's just say it, Jay. 
Back to slaying vampires. It feels yes. so good. Right? It does. Oh, gosh. It was like, <laughs> wow, it's been so long since we had dusted a vamp on the yeah. show. I can't even tell you the last time to have it. Someone on Facebook, please comment on the thread for, for this episode and let us know. When was the last time they dusted a vamp on the show? Before this moment, the last one I can remember was like the musical episode. So right. maybe there was another one, but it's been a long time. Yeah. It feels like it for sure anyway. But yes, I agree. This was a cool scene. Uh, she's kind of teaching Don what to do, but she's also telling her, you know, t- teaching her that she needs to be cautious. Like, don't do this. But if you have to, he's got the power. You need to recognize that and look for your opening, right? Right. But and if you're ever faced with a vampire again, you run. You don't try and fight him. Right. And I love how Dawn, like, has moves of her own. You know, Buffy's like, do this, and then she does something. She's like, or oh, you could do that. That's actually pretty good. You know, Dawn has paid attention and has done things and can hold her own in a fight a little bit. And I don't know. I like that. I like the fact that Dawn had her own stuff going but you know, of course in the end she does need an assist you know she's about to get right there but yeah. I, I like that though that dawn is much more confident in her own self and she also is funny like there's there's some really funny stuff in here i love how yeah. dawn calls out like you know how they miraculously learn kung fu when they rise from the dead you know, right kind of a trope on the show is that they seem to always know that somehow right. And I don't know. It's funny. I mean, the, even the vampires like, can y'all give me a hand? I'm stuck on a root or something down here. I <laughs> love the vampire in this. He was hilarious. Yeah. And my yeah. favorite part of the whole thing, too, was after she helps him up, she's like, oh, thank you for doing that. That was very nice of you. And the and she chokes him. Last thing you're going to do. <laughs> it was exactly. hilarious. <laughs> I love that. But I love this play for laughs again. Like, I think, you yeah. know, you hit it off there at the beginning to the way the show looked. The last season was so dark that they were like, okay, we're not going to, we're going to be bigger. We're not going to, we can't be darker than that. We need to get back to what people loved about this show. And what people loved was all the punny humor. And that was one thing Buffy didn't do hardly any of last year was all the the punny. Oh no, it was much more serious. Yeah. Yeah. And I was glad to see that and see Dawn get into that too. I mean, I'm like, I, I, you know, that's, I think the thing I have learned the most doing this retrospective with you is that I just misappropriated a lot of hate onto the Dawn character. And I think it was just the rejection of they broke up my band that I liked, but I, you know, that's like saying you don't like Joe Walsh and the Eagles because he wasn't an original member. You know, I mean, she she is an integral part of things here, and Michelle Trachtenberg really comes to play, and she's grown up a lot too. I mean, you know, one of the things is is she's taller than Sarah Michelle Gellar anyway, but she begged him. She's like, "Please do not put me in tennis shoes all year. Put me in heels." When they did that, it made her even taller. So right, they, they right. had to shoot the thing a little different because Sarah's like five three, so you know, at best. So they it, it gives her a much more grown up, more you know, confident look, but right. she's not ready to go on her own yet. And I think that's the thing is we're seeing a character that's kind of where Buffy was in season one. Like she was a seasoned vampire slayer, or at least had been a vampire slayer by the time we meet her on the show, right? Mm-hmm. From the movie or the movie universe. But she's still got a lot of growing to do. And, you know, I'll, I'll say it now, Brian, as we've started recording this, season one is on, is, you know, Buffy's in syndication and it's on FX right now when I wake up in the morning. So when I'm getting ready to go to work, I'm just kind of catching bits and pieces of season one. And as I'm watching season seven episodes, I'm going, ah, oh, it's neat to see the symmetry between them and see that they're having a character that is, you know, it needs to grow still, but has some skills. It's kind of raw. And I, I like that they put a lot of that on Dawn and that she's going to have a role now that's not just, you know, helpless victim. 
And it's about time too. I mean, we, we need something for Don to do to make her part of this group because she is she's there. She's going to be there, and we saw that she can hold her own a little bit in a fight. So why not bring her in and use her as a weapon for this clan? I mean, if Xander can do it, why can't she? Right? Absolutely, yeah. So it's nice to see. I like that. I also love the line that uh, Buffy throws in there when Don stabs the vampire and misses the heart. I love the line about how, oh, I missed my first one, uh, too. I didn't hit the heart. And the first thing I think of is the movie where she's doing those backflips and tosses the huge stake and totally hits the dummy in the leg. Yes. That's the first thing I thought of. <laughs> and I just started chuckling. And I, just out loud, I started laughing when I heard that line. Oh, and, yeah. I thought of Christy Swanson and her face <laughs> post. And then, yes. and then I thought of Pee Wee Herman and, you know, laying on the floor taking forever to die. So. Yeah, I, I thought that was cute. But it's good to catch up with these two and see that their relationship has moved forward. And I mean, that's the thing is, as they go with that, like Buffy is in the, like she takes Dawn to school the next day and she's walking her into the school and she meets the new principal. And the principal's like, hey, you look kind of young to have a daughter. And I love her reaction oh, yeah. to do what Buffy would do. I have mom here, don't I? You know, and it's just really, I don't know, it was really funny. I agree. It was a good, it was a good line and it used a couple times in this episode and just funny because she's, she's doing the mom character, right? She's doing the mom role now. And I like that. What'd you think about Buffy sticking around the school and just like, I don't know about you, but in my school, you weren't allowed to do that. Yeah, no, that's what I was saying. I was like, you're not, you're not allowed to do that, you know, at all. But. It, it makes sense because Buffy would be the the kind of person that would do this. And even if like the principal had tried to show her out the door, which he doesn't really, it, it would have, she'd have found a way back in. And sure. you know, I like the fact that she's slooping around and like, she's, she's seasoned enough to know like, yeah, this, this is still in the hell mouth. This is not going to yeah, go yeah. well, you know? And I don't know. I thought that was, that was neat. I mean, I, I really dug her whole thing. Like, you know, it's a good time to talk about Xander at this point too, because he gets on screen pretty much right after this. He shows up at Buffy's the, you know, the morning of the first day of school and he's like in his suit and he's going to be working with his crews that are, you know, finishing the school that day and all this stuff. And I'm like, man, Mr. Xander has moved on from like that geek in season one. That's one of the things I've noticed watching season one episodes again is like the complete chimp that this guy was seven years ago to now. I mean, it is night and day. And I, I actually wrote down for myself, you know, you were serious when you said that whole no more butt monkey business in the Dracula episode. <laughs> yes. Yeah. He's grown up. He's a foreman on a construction site now. He's running a business. It's kind of cool to see, you know, and he, he, he's got his own thing going on and it's great. And, and of course, working on the school, of, co- of course, he would be the foreman of that project. Why not? Um, it gets him into the scenes more easily. And, uh, I liked it. I thought it was good. He, he, last we saw Xander, he was an emotional wreck due to number one leaving his bride at the altar and number two having his best friend go all medieval on the world and nearly <laughs> kill him yeah right? and so. having to save it all and stuff and i mean you talk about a character that's much more confident in who he is and what he's doing he's almost the surrogate dad role here for dawn too oh, yeah i mean he's you know he's the one that says buffy did you give it to her yet and like her surprise is that she gives dawn a cell phone and that's the other thing is buffy has a cell phone now it's like there's I mean, she whips that thing out like every two seconds i had that yeah. model phone that little motorola i'm like <laughs> they must have got some serious product placement dough for that because yeah. she 
he's pulling that phone out every six seconds. But I love that that's, you know, his role now is to be this more mature guy. And so, and, but he also talks with Buffy about, you know, I don't really know what I'm doing. Am I, am I ready to date? All this stuff. And she's like, yeah, you know, that last one didn't go so well. And he's like, yeah, but he's able to talk about that. Like there's a time when Xander wouldn't have been able to handle that at all. And it's neat to see that their relationship too has been because, you know, him and Buffy were at odds at the end of last season. It you know, really was just the, the hell that everything that happened there at the end that threw them back together. But he was not pleased with her, you know, lifestyle choices with Spike and all this other stuff. No, oh, yeah, and I don't think he still is, right? But no, no, um, yeah, it's, I agree. It's it's good to see him in this type of role, and uh, you know, he's basically driving them to school, and so it's just fun. I, I like having Xander uh, back in a better role in a better state, right? Not the yeah. paranoid little twit that he was, and uh, actually doing some things that are constructive um, and, and I no love pun that, intended right yeah and i love that he's a part of the finale like she calls him up you know to you know go to the bathroom find the talisman and he walks in and sees the big hole that's been created that they've all fallen through to get to the basement where all the hauntings and i love he's like ooh, contracty goodness he's like exactly must focus and i was like that is i mean again that's funny though because he's he's grown up and he's mature but he's still that same guy somewhere right. buried underneath that and that's that was fun to see and i love that you know it's him that gets to break the thing in half you know i mean he he would, that's his useful part. He can take orders and do what Buffy asked him to do. Yeah, I agree. I like that too. Uh, let's go in with Anya and Halfrek. Indeed. Anya with dark hair. Uh, yes, I like we, it. I like yeah, it. we saw her with red hair in Darkness Falls, you know, for the, the somewhat acting job she did in that movie. But this is a different look for her. And I think it's done intentionally. She's a darker person now. She's a vengeance demon again, right? But what's the knock? She hasn't been up to her old game. You know, Halfrick lays it out to her. He's like, you were the most feared one of all. And now you're, you're just kind of soft, you know, and she's having a hard time trying to figure out what her role in this world is still she's still hanging around sunnydale too which i i don't know did you find that to be interesting why she would have hung around sunnydale when she could go anywhere i think it makes only the most sense because where else in the world is it as screwed up than in sunnydale plus we don't know if she still owns the magic shop or what last time we saw it was pretty much destroyed but exactly she may have opened it back up so she may have other reasons to be there i'm not sure but it, it, you know you gotta remember the hellmouth is the center of all demonic activity to, so it's right. not really a surprise to me that she's stuck around there she could have left absolutely but i think that she still has ties there that she wants to keep well, I think you've hit on something. She's got unresolved things there in that town with Xander, and I think that's why she's hanging around, though they haven't got to that yet. But I will only add this, is that, it, you know, Wolfram and Hart is in L.A., and that's a pretty screwed-up place. And there is a Hellmouth in Cleveland, you know, lest we forget. Yeah, so, yeah. so there's other places she could be, but I'm glad she's back, too, because Anya's character on the show was created and put in place to replace the kind of caustic wit that Cordelia Chase was on the show. She's that comic relief, that person that has no filter that says what she thinks, you know? And so it's good that they put her, that she's still going to be a part of the show. I was glad to see her back. And, you know, I was wondering, I was like, well, you know, actually what I asked myself was like, when is Halford going to get killed? Because no bot, no guest star gets to keep coming back like this without getting whacked. Like I just kept waiting for like a (laughs) building to fall. I was like, somebody's going to die and it's probably her. So, you know, I was just waiting for it to happen, but 
you know, that was a neat little thing to see. It was great to see Anya, and I'm glad she's still there. And we get some insight onto what's been going on in her life. We obviously know that she's back to being a, a vengeance demon, but apparently she's a very poor vengeance demon yeah. now. And Halfrek calls her out on it pretty hard, and like she gives it to her straight. Yo, yeah, I, I thought that was great too. That like you know, she is uh, all that you know those few years of being human again, and the love she felt for Xander and all that you know the group of friends she had and stuff like it softened her in a big way. And you know she's like, no, no, I can be just as bad, and we're gonna see you know some of that play out here. But and I like the fact that Anya's not totally back on her game yet as a vengeance demon. Right, and and basically she's called to the carpet by Halfrek saying that everyone's talking about how weak you are, and you know, a, a girl asked her boyfriend to become a frog, and he made him French, <laughs> which I thought was hilarious. <laughs> oh, he's really smelly. You right, know? <laughs> right. So, yeah, pretty yeah. pretty funny. I thought. Yeah, I, I thought that was neat. You know, that she's getting called out for. It's like, you know, one time you were the baddest of all time, and you know, now now you're just slipping and. Hoffman's not happy about it, her boss and stuff. And it's like Anya has, you know, work problems. <laughs> you know, she, she's not uh, getting getting the respect that, you know, she wants because she's not the same person she was. You know, she's, she's definitely changed. And so, I don't know, I like that. I thought that was cool. I did too. We got to talk about Giles and Willow because all of that takes place in England. It's actually shot in England. That's on Tony Head's, like, land and stuff. And we learn that Giles has taken her over there and has hooked her up with a coven of witches, presumably the ones he got the you know strong good magic from that that she ripped him off of in that the, the end of season six. And Willow calls it out like you know I I thought you brought me over here to kill me, but right. it's basically and I love what he says too. He's like you got to understand magic is not a hobby and it's not an addiction. It's what you are. And I loved that line. You know, I was like, we're, we're putting all that in the past now. You're on a different level. You don't get to do what you did, which I, mean, I think that includes everything. You don't get to do resurrection spells and all this other stuff and basically nearly bring about the end of the world, you know, with your magic and then just get to turn it off again. Because no, 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 you have got to learn how to use this for you know, the right reasons and stuff. I, I don't know. I thought that was fascinating because I really wondered, are they going to bring Willow back on this show? How are they going to do that after everything that had happened? Yeah, I was uh, to, to, to take a whole season of an addiction storyline and to just wipe it away with that line though, kind of bugged me a little bit just to say it's, it's not an addiction. It's who you are. That kind of just defeated the whole purpose of season six right there. If you ask me, <laughs> Um, so I wasn't keen on that. Now, to if he would have qualified that by saying that magic itself is not the problem, but the dark magics that you were channeling were the problem and what you got addicted to, I could have gone with that a lot better. But well, he I, didn't quantify that and so or qualify that answer, and so that kind of bugged me. Well, I can I can see your point though. He doesn't, but I've always taken it to be what you're talking about is that it wasn't the magic itself that was good or bad. It was her reason to want to have it. You know, we talked about that too. When we talked about the resurrection spell for Buffy, that that was about bringing Buffy back. Yes. And all that stuff. But a lot of that was about Willow seeing if she could really do it, you know, and that thirst for that power, you know, and what he's trying to get across to her, I think is that, you know, it can't be about that anymore. It's got to be about the fact that you have these gifts and that you can use them. And now you've got to decide, 
to use them for good. And you have to control them. And control them and not give yourself over to the dark side of things, which is addictive and can be, you know, uh, misleading and ultimately leads to destruction. Yoda taught us that years ago, you know. So I I think that's what he's getting across there. But I'm with you. I know a lot of people reacted to that line the same way you're talking about is that it's like they're just, you know, flushing season six down the drain or whatever. And I don't think that's what they were trying to do, but it, it certainly could come off that way. But I, I don't know. I'm going beyond that though. I like the fact that we start off and Willow is not in town. Like that she is still at the, in her, you know, healing process, I guess you want to say. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's definitely a different place to see her in. It is. And, and I agree. I like that. I thought it was interesting. They start off showing her using magic pretty much right away by right. bringing a flower up from the ground. And I like, the whole interaction with Giles there is saying that doesn't belong here. And you're like, what? And she yeah, explains, you know, this is a flower that's only found in Peru. And she had brought it up from the ground because it's all connected. I thought that was interesting. Yeah, I like the idea of like everything is connected, you know, the whole, the molecules, everything else. And I love that idea, you know, because I'm like, well, they're setting that up, obviously, that she's going to be able to channel something from here to there and you know, all this stuff. It's like, that makes total sense. You know, they, they kind of give this organic energy, I guess, if you will, for the way the magic works. I don't know. I thought that was cool, the whole Peruvian flower thing and mm-hmm. and the fact that she's, you know, she, and then she sends it, you know, packing too, like she lets it go when she's talking to him about, you know, this coven, like they're really great to me, Giles, but they also look at me like they're scared to death of me, you know, like they're waiting for something bad to happen. And I love when he asks her straight up, do what, do you want to be punished for what you've done? I haven't forgotten what you've done, neither of you, neither is anybody else, but you, you're going to sit around here and beat yourself up about about it forever? Are you going to kill yourself for it, or are you going to do something about it? And I love that he is all about trying to get her to move on. Absolutely. I like that, too. I thought it was a good way to use him, um, and I really enjoyed that Willow was struggling with what she's done and trying to figure out how she can go on. Uh, can't Is she ready to face the world? Is she ready to face the gang again after what she did? And I like that those questions are swirling around in her brain and, and what she's kind of struggling with. And I thought it was an interesting couple of scenes that they had together. Oh, yeah. It's very cool. And it's cool to catch up with, with her in this, this process. And I guess the last of the returning characters we got to talk about, Brian, is Spike in the basement. Like, yeah. totally wigged out of his skull. I mean, they let the hair grow out. It's the dark roots are showing. And he's, like, having conversations with himself. Very, very weird moment for me. And I yeah. didn't know what what we were supposed to be seeing there, you know? I agree with you. I was very confused as to what was going on with Spike and trying to gather what we're supposed to get from it. Um, I didn't quite understand. I figured it had something to do with getting his soul back, but he was more like he was insane than anything else, which I guess kind of makes sense because after you do something like that and are faced with everything you've done, it would probably drive someone insane like that to have the guilt and everything. But I got to say, I love the hair. And I really wish they would keep that, but I know they don't. It's unfortunate because it was a cool new look for him, and it really would have transitioned the whole Spike character a little better, I think, from the the vampire he was to the kind of crazy um, vampire with a soul that he is now. I think it would have been kind of cool to have give him a little bit different look, but oh well. Well, let me ask um, you this, I, though. How about the way Buffy reacts to him? 
You know, it's, I mean, she's like totally shocked to see him again. I guess she thought he was just gone for good after the end of last year. And if she hasn't seen him for months, you know, so I, she probably assumed he was just gone. And then he sure. shows up and he's, you know, feral and, you know, nuts basically. But, you know, clearly she is still dealing with, I don't know, the issues of that. Well, absolutely, and of course she should. Last time that they interacted, it wasn't a good time. Uh, but um, I think she's more shocked to find him in the basement of the high school. Right. I mean, that's kind of a weird spot for him to end show up at, right? I could see if maybe she ran into him at the graveyard or he just stumbled in upon her house or something, but to show up in the high school basement seemed a little bit weird. It was a little weird. I mean, it was the whole thing is weird though. Cause I mean, that's what's going on. And I guess it, we need to talk about all the new stuff. Now we talked a little bit about the new high school, you know, that Buffy's tooling around and stuff, but what did you make of the new principal? Uh, you know, principal Wood played by DB Woodside. I know him from you know, this obviously. And he was also on a couple of seasons of 24 and I've seen him in other stuff too, but he's like, I don't know. I, I had always remembered the first time I saw him, I was like, oh, this guy's totally evil. I just can't wait till they reveal what it is. Cause he's so yeah. like sinister from the start. Right. Mm-hmm. I, I agree. When I first watched this the first time, that's exactly what I thought. And they even hinted at the fact that he's, his office is where the library used to be, which is right over the opening of the hell right. and that he could be evil. And he comes off as someone we have to pay attention to and watch. And I think we should because he looks like he's being set up to be the new big bad because we know what it's like having authority figures in this show. Right. And especially They're authority figures the in the school. They're never good. Yeah. You know, like, you know, right. Principal Flutie, I guess, was an okay good guy until he got eaten. But, you know, <laughs> Snyder never was, right? <laughs> and then he yep. was also the eaten. mayor. You yeah, know, the mayor. So. I mean, yeah, you're right. All the authority figures and Maggie Walsh, you know, none of them turn out to be you know, good influences on the people. And But I like how he's like the, the hip you know, principal, he's got an earring and he's just Mr. Smooth and he kind of talks a little trash and then he walks away. You know, like, well, I've got to go and dull some minds now. See y'all later. You know, I don't know. Well, I thought I, it was cool. Yeah. What I thought was really intriguing was the whole, um, oh, yeah, Buffy Summers, I've heard about you. And he just drops that and walks away. Right. Yeah. I was like, oh, <laughs> what have you heard? Oh, like, you know. Yeah. <laughs> It's very intriguing. I really like it. And then at the end when he offers Buffy the job to be kind of like a counselor to the students at the school, I like that because it almost gives you that vibe of keep your enemies close. Right. It's like he knows there's more to her and he wants her there. And I, I like also, though, that it's like, well, what's Buffy doing for me? She's still working at the double meet? Nope. She's going to go work for the school system. Okay. Well, that's fine with me. So. Maybe Hank kicked in some dough over the summer. I don't know. But <laughs> we never hear from him again either. But I'm still wanting that. Well, they never do tell you what uh, what she's going to be paid either. But obviously, I would I would think even if it's only a couple days a week, it's probably paying a little better than the it's double. It's got to be better than the double. <laughs> exactly. So, I mean, that's I'm with you. I think that's what was going on. What about the new kids, Kit and Carlos? I remember reading widespread rumor before this episode aired that these were going to be two of the new Slayerettes. It was going to be Dawn and her own little Scooby crew, and these kids were going to be a big part of this. And I was going to say, right now, we never see any of these people again. <laughs> they are, this is their well, that's episode. <laughs> Right, that's what I thought because I was like, well, what do we care about the new kids? <laughs> because <laughs> I don't think they ever come back. And I thought maybe you remembered something I didn't. But um, yeah, I could care less about them, really. They were just there for fodder, well, right? Well, you know, that's the thing. 
though, is they set them up as if that's what they're going to do, but then they that's not where it goes. Now, we know that. That's meta-knowledge. I'm kind of spoiling the season this way saying that, but – that's the way it's set up is that these are – because Buffy does that whole little thing like you guys stick together at the end. Like these are going to be Dawn's buddies, right? Because that's the thing. Dawn doesn't have any friends her age anymore. Like they're right. all Buffy's friends. And so, you know, at some point she's got to have her own friends, right? You'd think. But that's not going to be these people. But I don't know. I kind of liked them. I've seen Alexander Breckenridge who plays Kit. I've seen her in American Horror Story. She's really good in that. And in other things, too, I've never seen David Zepeda and anything else. I'm sure he's still acting, but I, I put it in there to talk about because, again, they're set up to be much more than what they ever turn out to be. But I don't know. They were fine. I thought they were okay. Yeah, I, I didn't mind them, but I never really paid uh, much attention to them because I didn't figure they figured in anything important. Well, what did you think about the whole haunting and how all of that went down and how you know they figure out the, the resolve of it? Um, I, I didn't mind the haunting. I thought it was intriguing to see where this was going. They look like zombies, right? right? And then we find out they're not zombies. And I like how they figure it out. I like that it's Spike who tells them. Uh, or tells Buffy really what they are because she's trying to figure it out as well. And he basically says uh, something along the lines of their manifestations controlled by a talisman. Even a four-year-old can figure that out, <laughs> which I thought was a hilarious line from Spike because he's in his crazy state. And that's how she, she learns what it is. And she immediately relays this message to Xander who then has to go and find the talisman. But I, I, I didn't mind it. I thought it was interesting to see that they're still, um, yeah, characters upset about how they died uh, back in the old school. Now, the question I have, Jay, is this basement the basement of the new school or part of the old school? I don't know. I was going to ask you that, too. I'm like, in, even in a new construction site, wouldn't they have totally dug out everything from before, even if it did lead to civilist-given Indian burial grounds? I mean, you think they would have filled all that <laughs> in, right? It, and like, I would hope Spike so. Spike talks about it being a maze down there. The ghosts say that. And I'm like... Why would they allow that to stay? You know, I'm like, unless, uh, and then. It must have been in really good shape. Um, uh, yeah, the, I mean, I the guess the foundation was explosion. solid after, you know, everything that had happened there over the years. Well, not only <laughs> the explosion, it had been abandoned for like three years. So, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't know. I just, um, I thought that was strange, but I know that it's, they've got to give a reason to have a lot of underground labyrinth. And it also let me know, too, or at least gave me the thought that we're going to spend a lot of time probably in the labyrinth basement of the new high school. Well, I would think so. I mean, it is right on the Hellmouth. So I, I assume a lot of stuff is going to take place at that place as well. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's, that's certainly what we're led to believe. And then I guess the last thing we got to talk about, Brian, is the little end speech that we get to see, I, I guess, a greatest hits of all the, you know, some of the past um, bads from previous seasons. There's Warren talking to Spike, and then it's Glory, and then it's Adam, and then it's Mayor Wilkins, and then it's Drew, and then it's the friggin' Master. You know, the the major villains from the previous seasons in reverse order, basically telling Spike and the audience, this season's all about going back to the beginning. We're going to learn a lot in the next few months, you know, and then it ends with an apparition of Buffy, you know, doing that whole, it's about power line. Now, what did you make of that? 
I liked it. I thought it was a cool reminder of where we've been and what what's made this whole thing come about. And they're really hinting at what we're going to be seeing. I mean, Halifrec dropped a line saying that something's coming, something old and something very powerful and it's going to be a, it's a bad time to be a good guy. These guys are dropping a line about how something major is coming and and uh is rising up and so I like that all those hints that they've dropped and we don't know what this is yet. Um, but we're getting knowledge and even Willow states that something bad is happening in, in Sunnydale and, and that a major power shift is happening. And I like that. I thought that was kind of cool that they're dropping all these hints. We don't know quite what it is yet, but we know that we need to start paying attention to these little details to figure it out. Absolutely. And I love the little tour de force of all the evils from the past. And I love how they got these actors back for these little cameos. I mean, it's great to see Juliet Landau again and, you know, Mayor Wilkins, Harry Groening and all that. It was even kind of cool to see Adam again, you know, for a minute, you know, because I've never seen that guy. Whatever. <laughs> well, at least Warren and him got small. It would have been better parts. if it were Maggie Wall. <laughs> <laughs> at least it wasn't, you know, a lot of Warren and him. It was mostly well, yeah. Glory. That was the thing. Glory got the most lines and I loved that. And then, you know, it was cool that Mark Metcalf got back in all that get up to be the master. I mean, gosh, I I hadn't thought about the master in a long time, but very cool villain. And it's an interesting way to end uh, what has been a, a pretty neat episode. So Brian, I think we're at the part of the podcast yeah. where it's time to give our dustings rating for the episode. So what are yours for season seven, episode one lessons? I thoroughly enjoyed this episode. It was just fun to get back into things and see what this season's going to be. Uh, it's not a perfect episode by any means, but it, had, it was full of activity, a lot of questions coming out of it, um, a lot of things to just remember. You know, we get we get caught up on all of our main characters, which was fascinating to me, in one little episode, and we get a kind of a person to hang on to and, and watch to see where his character goes in the principle. So I like that. I'm going to give it a three dustings. It's a strong three dustings. I agree. I think it's a very strong three dustings, a great way to get back into the show. And I remember coming back watching this season when it started back, I was like, okay, let's see what they've got. And I was hooked. I was like, oh yes, this is exactly why I love the show. And I couldn't wait till the next week to see what they were going to do. You know, it was, it, they were piecemealing it out to us at that point. And I thought, oh, I, I can't wait to see where they're going to go with the season. It's going to be so cool. So I'm with you, strong three dustings. And I'm glad that they don't have like a, a big bad we have to worry about for the episode. They don't fool with that much. It's, you know, it's just a small little haunting. It's something simple because we need a chance to catch up with our characters to figure out where they are and to introduce some new people here that we're going to need to hang on to. And I, I like what they've set into motion here as well. So I'm with you. Yeah. And I like that they laid the foundation for the big yes. bad, even though they haven't spelled it out particularly, they've laid the foundation that something is coming. Right. So they haven't given it to us yet, but we know there's a, there's something here, not just life or whatever right, right? we know yeah, what it it's is. not going to be as abstract it's going to be something we can see touch and hear a lot of and and it obviously can manifest itself in a lot of form and so that's what we're curious to see what could that be and we'll get to mm -hmm. that in coming episodes but folks thanks for joining us on this latest episode of the art of slang of course you can always find all of our past episodes on our website theartofslang.com as well as links to our twitter feed and our facebook page like our facebook page drop us a comment on there let us know what you think things you notice things you like and didn't like we always enjoy interacting with you please leave us a review on itunes it helps other people find the podcast and as always we appreciate your support until next time for brian i'm jay thanks for listening to the art of slang
Buffy the Vampire Slayer is the copyright of Fox Television Studios and any discussion of the characters, episodes, or music is strictly for entertainment purposes only.